Hi, I'm Alex Terranova, and welcome to season one of the Trailblazers of Coaching, a group of what we might call the founders of the coaching profession. Our goal, to introduce you to some of the leaders of this rapidly growing industry and to provide history, advice, training, and some humor for all the future Trailblazers of Coaching. Your host in season one is Christopher McCullough, master certified coach, founder of Accomplishment Coaching, and a leader in the field since 1996. Joining Christopher in season one are Rich Maxwell, a professional certified coach and leader in the field since 1996. Dr. Don R. Booz, an author, professional certified coach, master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming with a background in marriage and family therapy. Larry Williamson, a master certified coach and author, and Dr. Patrick Williams, an author, speaker, master certified coach, and psychologist turned executive coach. Welcome to the Trailblazers of Coaching. Chapter four, if you had the attention of the world. Let's go in a different direction, and I want to be clear, I'm going to leave the room and go get my coffee while you guys answer this, but okay, we can talk about you. Here's the, here's the question. If you had the attention of the world, you know, if that 15 minutes of fame thing yeah. happened, you were in the spotlight. What's your message for the world? What would you use it? What do you want to tell the world? Yeah, no pressure. And the world wants to know what you want to say. If you had the attention of the world. Yeah, but they don't know what you're going to say. So, What would you love to tell everyone? I would love to convince people that it's not as difficult as you make it. You know, I mean, it really is. That's my, that's my drive. That's my passion. And I think that we do... And I, I really believe this, and I'm, everybody's heard this and me done before, but I think we have a tendency to make things more complicated than they need to be. We like to look at the negative, mm -hmm. and we stay with the negative, and rather than, all right, don't complicate it anymore. You had this occur. How do you deal with it? How do you move forward with it? And I just don't think it's as complicated as so many people make it out to be. Well, what just came up for me is a message of... Um, Embrace curiosity. You know, you can be curious about people. That takes care of race. That takes care of prejudice. That Just be curious. Because when I've traveled around the world, hell, I can meet and talk to anybody. But then you listen to the news about the governments. It's like, holy hell. Well, it's not true people to people. So if you can be curious, if you can be um, relating to your neighbors, if you can just wonder about people, it keeps judgment out of it or avoids judgment to a degree. So I think that'd be my, I wouldn't even need 15 minutes. It'd just be more curious and follow up on yeah. it. I like that. I guess uh, for me, it would be, it's kind of a blend of what you guys have said, um, but learn how to be in relationships with more people. Mm. And, you know, it does involve listening. It does involve being curious. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be complicated. It is. People or humans make things complicated. Um, you know, I don't think you could carry that message to Donald Trump and get a very positive reaction. <laughs> you know, well, but you know, people have to be receptive to a message. Well, right, a waste exactly. of time giving it. Yeah, uh, but there's so much about you know, we lose so much of the the texture of life because we don't work on relationships mm -hmm. and establishing them, nurturing them over time, uh, grieving them when we lose them. 
you know, and then and being joyful and finding new ones. Um, so I guess that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these are all so complex for me, and so I'm, my mind's all over the place. I like what I've been hearing. Um, I probably would not want to take advantage of the 15 minutes only because um, I know how complex the world is and I'm not sure I'd be heard <laughs> by many people in the world. You don't feel like you have something that you want people to know? To know? Maybe a lot, but um, I'd rather rephrase the question, I'd rather have the world do something and that's just get along and I don't you know that's very easy it's almost plateauish but uh, I guess the word that keeps coming to me is respecting each other mm -hmm. and I don't know that for me and where I am in life words are huge for me right now and I think for me and what I hear Words are being used without definition. Mm. And that's disrespectful of where people are in their path. That's why we had that little discussion about the 20-some-year-olds versus our age. Um, I don't know that I have an answer. One of the things I've noticed for myself is that very recently, for, for a lot of my life, I lived like a 17-year-old boy, you know, trying to get the next thing and the next and the next, right? Trying to slay dragons and win the maiden's hand and prove myself and win and be the best and competition with everyone. And it's only recently that I've actually, and this is as true for my marriage as it is for my driving, where I've been more of a community-minded person. Let's all win. Let's all get home safely. Let's all get yeah. to our destination. And, and for me, it's really, I think, a function of maturity coming pretty late in the game. Is that sort of what you're pointing to, like the maturity of being able to see the, the larger picture or the community benefit? For me, I'm all over the map on the we. I mean, it's like, what are we doing to our earth? What are we doing to each other? What are, what are we, I mean, it's like the, like the we in church. I mean, it's, it's presumptuous for any pastor to go in and think, we're all going to be on the same page. But that's why I have different translations of the Bible. Yeah. And even within that, I, I'm just really cynical right now about the world in which we live, where I live. And mm -hmm. um, I tell God, I'm here to, I still think, to make a difference. But, you know, if you want to call me up, beat me up, Sonny, I'm ready to go. You say cynical, but it looks like hurt. Oh, I'm very disillusioned. Yeah, let's talk about the hurt, if you're willing. Cause well, I was hurt pretty painful by the church. I mean, it was, you know, I do get a pension from them, so I don't want this to be put out on Facebook. But, um, <laughs> well, this is going on YouTube, buddy. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I'm looking at my family system and um, all the shadow side of that. I mean, I just saw a, 
uh, Facebook from my hometown that a young woman at my alma mater has the same last name as some members of my family. And she was doing some slurs of some African-Americans or black people walking on the sidewalk. And I just know she's related to me, which took me back to how sick the family is. The reason why I became a marriage and family therapist, I'm convinced, is to mm-hmm. deal with my crap. Sure. That's why I had a gestalt funeral of my mother. That's why I went into gestalt therapy and all these other things. So I don't know if it's hurt. That's not the word I would want to use. It's, it's sort of uh, uh, the reason why I don't want to go back around my family is I find myself being pulled back into old patterns of thinking. Yes. My the reason we went to my wife's fiftieth anniversary two weeks ago. Mine last year. We both said uh, high school. Yeah, yeah. that's the anniversary. But uh, yeah, we both said we don't want to do that again. Pulls you back to a time and a place that doesn't. Well, I think I agree with Joe Dispenza that we live in the past, and that's where we continue to pull forward and we're not we're, we're fearful of the future and we live in the past and we're not living in the moment and I'm really trying to live in the moment be mindful thanks you know um, so if I again I had the listening audience for just whatever I could think of the curiosity was one but it's an it's a um, embracing of the fact who, who wrote Megatrends 2000? Somebody, Nesbitt yeah. and yeah. Patricia Aberdeen, right? <clears throat> Saw the picture of the book. High tech needs more high touch. And that's where we're at. These are great little devices. That's a great device. There are people that make this a looking down world. Yes. People are walking around looking yeah. down at things. And I want it to be a look up world, which means put that away for a while. Realize that that's not real connection. Those people on Facebook aren't really friends. Some of them might be, but then see them in person. Um, so the message is to, well, the coaching came about, I think, because of a shortage of real listening and because of a disconnection. I mean, I think that's why it boomed that therapy obviously didn't fill the answer. A lot of people didn't want to go because of the stigma or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the conversations that you have with a coach that asks questions that neither one of you know the answer to that propels you to design a future is about that human connection that I think is missing for so many people. Yeah. And coaching's not the answer to everything. In fact, some cultures do a great job connecting. But the modern world needs to take time to unplug, slow down, and uh, appreciate what's in front of you. Appreciation is key. When When I think about the struggle between the past and I've always had this picture in my mind, an analogy of someone trying to swim across an open body of water and you've got a future on the other side, but they're trying to swim with two suitcases full of all the luggage and the past and everything else. And I've always told people, you know, you got a choice. You can you can swim to the other side or you can make it, but you gotta let that go because that's nothing but a weight. And if you hold on to it long enough, it will take you down. It's a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to get into some of the, you know, the gender and race issues. Uh, clearly, coaching has 
for as long as it's been around, been primarily a certain class, yes, a certain gender, not ours actually, that's correct, and a certain um, everything from socioeconomic level to a certain race dominating the profession. What do you see about that? What do you what have you experienced in that? I mean, is it a barrier? Is it great? Is it? Well, I was actually attended your. Uh, when I was living in uh, LA area, you're uh, probably the chapter in LA. And we met someplace south of the city there. A little bit. Um, and they were mostly white. I was the minority. I think I was one of two men. Yeah. Uh, when I went to um, Kansas, or Matt, Kansas, and I go to our chapter. One black woman, probably three or four men, and the rest are women. And most of the women, from the way they dress, I don't, I don't think this is being sexist by saying this. I don't think it's income from being a coach. I think it's income from being part of a spousal joint money. There's a there's a socioeconomics that applies. Correct. That's yeah. Being Thanks for hanging out with the trailblazers of coaching. Who's a coach or leader you know that needs to hear or see these episodes? Share it with one person today. We believe everyone is capable of success and is entitled to living a healthy, powerful, loving, and adventurous life. And we know that becomes even more possible through the power of coaching. We hope you enjoyed this episode, learned something, and you join us again. Maybe one day you will also become a trailblazer of coaching.